welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. Today, we are talking about a fantastic character, a great character, but some people believe that this character didn't have as much to do, could have been written better, you know, shifted a little too much throughout the show. I don't know. There's a lot of criticisms. Um, (laughs) Some I agree with, some that I don't. But today... What we're doing is we are rewriting Deanna Troy. That's right. A few weeks ago, we did this with the character of Neelix, and we thought, you know, this is one of those topics that we could go back to every now and again, and we should, because there were some underutilized characters in the Star Trek universe who didn't get nearly the amount of love that they deserved, and occasionally the writers did stumble with them, so... Guess what? With hindsight being 2020, we've had 20-something-odd more years to think about this, we're going to make it right today. <laughs> and that's the thing is that with Neelix, he's such a beaten up character. Like he's such oh, a punching man. bag for the fandom. And so it was really easy to kind of look at what the fandom didn't like and then tweak that. Even if you or I didn't necessarily agree with it, we could figure out and understand where the fandom was coming from. Right. With Deanna Troy, I feel like Deanna Troy is a much better character and a much more beloved character than Neelix. And so this might be a little bit more difficult. And so... Do we need to figure out how we're going to tackle it? Are we going to rewrite her character to just be different for the sake of different? Or are we going to rewrite her character to kind of manage any kind of faults or ill will that might have developed over the years? Like, how do you think we should do it? I think we had to do a little more of the latter where there are some criticisms of Troy that we can address. One of mine is that she's extremely underutilized. So maybe we figure out ways that she can be a little more, I don't want to say the word important, but integral and needed to the crew at large. Maybe give her character a little bit more focus, do just a couple of tweaks on things that maybe the fan base at large does not like about her or or says that she was deficient in one way or the other. Now, she went through a fairly decent evolution, though. I feel like Troy did start off weak. And she did grow into a much better character. So what we could do is we could take some of those really early complaints and make it better from the get-go. It's interesting because I do, I think you're right. I think that is one way to go. And I think that's the way we should go and maybe like sprinkle in just a few changes just for the hell of it. Yeah, why not? But it's difficult because every character should grow. Every character should change and every character should have an arc, but... How do I how do I say that? Like as a fandom, it's a little bit of hubris to believe that characters should be perfect from the get go. Well, you know this is true, and especially of characters in Star Trek, where really that doesn't happen. The footing takes a little while for these writers mm-hmm. to really get the characters down. It's not until typically, at least in Next Gen and onward, that the third season is, is when things are really rocking. It's true. And I'm trying to think of like some other next gen characters where like Data, you know, Data had an arc and Data grew and Data experienced things, but he was a great character from the from the beginning. 
and so it's just like okay well that's something that the writers got right away it's just like oh they started with a great character they ended with a great character but they still had an arc and same with picard very much with picard i mean like picard season one is very different from picard season seven yeah but he was a great character from the get-go a little stodgy a little you know stick up his bum but (laughs) he was able to grow with deanna it was that that sense of oh she's an intergalactic cheerleader who just feels crap every once in a while (laughs) well deanna definitely suffered from the we don't know what exactly to do with this character syndrome Mm-hmm. They gave her one quality. She was half betazoid, therefore she had empathy going on, which she utilized in her job as the ship's counselor. And I feel like they started off with this all wrong. How so? How so? Whenever they tapped into Deanna's empathy, whatever she was feeling from you know the other side of things, whatever's happening mm-hmm. to the person the on other the side screen. Of the view screen. Yeah. yeah, it's just she's, you know, having this Im- incredibly emotional reaction of, oh, pain and despair, like encounter at Farpoint. And it's kind of embarrassing to watch it. You're embarrassed for her. Mm-hmm. And I really wish they would have just started off in a very different direction right there with her empathy. I'm, I'm thinking it's a great idea that she has that, but don't state the obvious to us. Right. Tell us what's behind the scenes. Because if you can't show it, then you tell us. That's a writing rule. But she always stated the obvious. Hard. Like we knew, like we knew. Person on the view screen, probably the Romulan, he's up to something. We need to go deeper than that, Troy. <laughs> it's 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 very true. Like it was, I remember watching a behind the scenes. Oh, it was the captain's round table and it had a, or some, it was called something like that. And it came with a Blu-ray of either the movies or uh, a season of, of Next Gen. I can't remember. I'm sure people are screaming at me right, right now. But Please write in. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes on one side. And it had William Shatner and Leader Nimoy on the other. And it was moderated by Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, nice. You know what? I don't know if I've ever seen this. Oh, I'll find it to see if it's posted online and I'll send it to you. If it's on YouTube. Yeah. If I do find it, I'll post it in the show notes. So you can go to the nerdparty.com slash punch it and then find it from there. So it was a really great interview. It was a really great panel discussion. I mean, had a lot of great moments. You'll have to bleep me on this, but it was like Whoopi started asking about Troy or somebody brought up Troy and Frakes is there in the back. He's like, who is that again? Isn't, isn't she the one who feels <laughs> like is it? <laughs> Pretty much. He nailed that. And of course, like, it's funny if you know how close Frakes and Sirtis is. You know, right. or are, I should say. And of course, you know, like, he, he loves Marina and he loves her character and everything like that in the show and outside of the show. But sometimes that's the thing is that, like, oh, like, people who are just, like, casual watchers know her as, oh, she's the one who goes, I'm feeling pained, Captain. You know, like. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's bad. I'm sorry that. We don't need to see her break down while she's trying to read emotions. I don't feel like that's what empathy necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be that physical expression. And that overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you look at season one and season two, like, she's so overwhelmed by everything. Like, anyone yeah. who's just a little bit angry and she's just like, oh, my God. Right, right. It just makes her look like a bad officer, you know? It makes her look like she's... She's juvenile and she can't handle a stressful situation. Right. And so that's maybe that's, right that's something that we can fix because like later on in the show, like something intense will happen and then they'll turn off the view screen and Picard will turn to her and say like, hey, what's up? And she's like, well, 
he definitely feels this way and you know like it, it's it's interesting yeah. you know like she's much calmer and reserved in a good way she's one of those characters that has a really great backstory something really oh, yeah. rich that they talked about all the time and yet she was very underdeveloped on the show and i think that's a unique thing that's a unique problem to see because most of the time if you have like a boring character they're just a white piece of paper and they don't have an interesting backstory but with deanna i mean like her mother was the ambassador to Beta Z for the Federation. She married a human Starfleet officer. They had Deanna. Actually, they had a, one child first who drowned when Deanna was an infant. Right. And her mother hid all evidence of her and repressed all memories of her so that Deanna didn't know about her existence. How crazy is that? Massive. And she... You know, like she studied psychology at the University of Beta Z, which is such a lazy ass name. Isn't it though? Really, the one university in all of Beta Z? Well, no, like, apparently that's the university for, for Beta Z. Like, the Ohio State. It's got to be the University of Beta Z. Well, and also, just, like, think about it from an Earth perspective. Like, yes, I went to the University of Earth. Think about how lame that would sound. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, no one no one in sci-fi would ever write that down because they're like, oh, that sounds ridiculous. But you throw in a different planet's name? Oh, yeah, Totally. Like, I don't want to spend the extra three seconds to make up something else. They really should have let Loxana reveal this aspect of it because she would have made it sound way more flowery and grandiose than it ever was. Like, this mm -hmm. is like the top fifth ring of the House of Betazoid University departments and blah, 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 nautical terms, meow, meow. She would have come up with something really elegant. I did not just now, but you know <laughs> she that she would have. I think that's the thing is that like and you know she this is something interesting that you don't see all the time but she went to college and then went to Starfleet Academy. That's true. That's interesting, right? Hmm. And I don't know if she finished college or how many years they do on Beta Z, but she went for a couple years I think and then went to Starfleet Academy and studied the same thing. So, you know, I would love to see like a a novel about that or a short story about that about how like why did she make the change to go from university to a to starfleet like what happened there why did she want to travel the stars that kind of thing yeah did we ever really learn why deanna was interested in joining starfleet ever i don't think so i think that that's what i'm talking about i would love to find out why i, I mean i'm sure that obviously her father being a starfleet officer and passing would make her interested in it True. In, in, in going to Starfleet. But why did she decide to go to university and not go to a Starfleet Academy and then change her mind? Like what happened in that time? Or is there some sort of Starfleet transfer program where she wanted to stay home oh, for a couple yeah. more years? Starts out with the program, but then gets more focused training when she gets over to the Academy? That's totally something that could have happened. Yeah, it was. Um, it's interesting because a side note, one thing that I really liked about the novelization of Star Trek 09 was that Chekhov, you know how like like in the in the movie, like when they ask him how old are you, he's like, 17, sir. Right. Like, well, he's 17. He never went to the academy. He never went to college. Apparently, like in this version, in the Kelvin timeline, he was so freakishly smart that Starfleet recruited him mm. and made him an ensign. They're like, okay, you don't have to go to Starfleet Academy. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. We're just going to make you an ensign right away if you agree to work for us. Wow. Okay, I, I've obviously not read the novelization of Star Trek 09. This is really interesting. Yeah, I, I just thought that kind of thing was fascinating. And also another thing, I, I know I'm going on, but another thing about the novelization, about Chekhov's schooling, 
the writer, I think it was Alan Dean Foster, talked about why he still has an accent, but nobody else does. Uh Uh-huh. And it was something about how he was so smart, the globalized education system was too slow for him. And (laughs) so I may be making this up, this next part, but like if he had something like he went to private schools and private tutors and like did his own studies and had his own mentors and everything like that. So he just stayed isolated pretty much in Mother Russia and kept uh-huh. his accent. And that's why so many people just have a generic flat Midwestern, you know, middle of America accent is because of globalized education. <laughs> it is the broadcast standard. Yeah, that broadcast standard, you know, accent. Now, of course, that's the in-universe reason. We all know the out-of-universe reason, like the real reason. But of course, it's just, and that may piss off a couple of people. I'm just reporting what was in the book. I just thought it was interesting. Don't at me. (laughs) Yeah, don't at me. I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying it's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. That's good stuff to know. But back to Deanna. Yes, now back to Deanna, the focus, allegedly, of this show. (laughs) Was there anything that you felt this character was lacking, especially early on? Like, what did you think of this character? I, I hate to focus on this because it feels unfair to her because she's a female character. But her look was a huge disservice to the character right off the bat. Now, are you talking about Encounter at Farpoint with the cheerleader kind of do and slash or the bunhead? I, the bunhead, I don't care about the bunhead. Even Rick Berman described her because he was criticizing himself and the team. Okay. It, it was it was either the, I think it was Mick, Rick Berman or Michael Piller, but they said they're like, yeah, when she first came on the Enterprise, she looked like an intergalactic cheerleader with the, with the big curly hair and the huge boots and the and the and the short skirts and everything like that and i'm not necessarily critic like there's men that have the scant there's women that have the scant and so i'm not trying to focus on that i'm just saying that it made it hard to take her specifically seriously because so many people were just drawn to how horrible she looked in the first season and then they ch- <laughs> they changed that immediately but i don't think they went in the right direction right away because you know she went to the skin tight jumpsuits of course. Kind of like a la Seven in Voyager. Right. It's what they do in Star Trek. It's what they do. So like you started off bad and then we're like, okay, well, we'll correct it. But they didn't correct it. They just went to a different, less awful direction. And it wasn't until season six where she got the uniform. Yeah. I don't know if this will be an unpopular opinion or not, but I think I prefer the cheerleader look to the bunhead and the bodysuit. That just did not work at all all for me and for that character it seemed just really off especially when you do see like a season two or a season three look yes she still has the bodysuit but it's much more refined and she's like literally her hair is down and she looks pretty and it's nice and it is somewhat informal and yet it suits that character far better now that said the uniform yes of course they should have just put her in it the whole time and it was fantastic and that's the way it always should have been Okay, I can't agree with you there, but that doesn't mean I was in love with the bodysuit. Like, I didn't like yeah. the bodysuit. I just, I hated it less than the cheerleader outfit. Fair enough. But one thing that I did really enjoy was her long, flowing, light blue dress that she wore sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's pretty. I love that because it was something where, how do I describe it? It was is something that set her apart but didn't leave her from any agency. Like it was, 
it was something where it's just like, I am separate from the crew because I want you to be comfortable around me. I am different because I am in charge of your mental health and you don't need to look at me as an authority figure, but I still command authority because I am separate. And I may be reading into that, but that's pretty much the, what they were going for. Like when Jellico came on board, he's like, screw this. You're going to go into a uniform. I don't care what Picard had you do or like was laxed with your uniform because that was all unspoken up into that point. We all just kind of put our own theories together. And so I liked that one just because it was much more flattering on her. It wasn't a skin-tight bodysuit. It looked nice. She looked comfortable in it. And people could relate to her in a different non-command structure kind of way. Right. As a person, as opposed to an officer. You know what might have been really interesting to see? And I think this might have been enough of a distinction for people to forgive the bodysuits and what have you. When she was on the bridge, uniform. Conducting sessions or what have you. Seeing clients. Informal, wear whatever the heck you want. I get that, yeah. For the bridge, a certain formality is in order, but then the rest of the time, I think it would have been great for her to express her personality wearing something besides a uniform, just because a lot of times we do just see the crew only in their uniforms. Right, and that's the entire reason why we're talking about this so much, is because this was unique about her character in the show, was how she appeared to the audience and to the crew. It did set her apart, like it or not. I'm wondering, like, if there was some some sort of middle ground that we could find where if she wore the uniform, but then had some sort of extra piece, like the captain's jacket or Beverly Crusher's, you know, medical garb, where, like, she wore the Hmm. long-flowing smock, for lack of a better term. Sure. I don't know what that would be for a counselor. That seems unnecessary. It's true. It's true. I was just kind of posing the question. But I think I think in our version, I think what we can say is full uniform from the get-go, boom, make her look like Yar, and then move forward. Why not, guys? So <laughs> I don't know if you fully answered my question, though, which we went oh. on to talking about looks, but now let's talk about her personality. Well, of course, yes. So, what question? What what question well, did you have? Um, it was was it, did you find anything? Did you think anything was lacking with her character? Was there something that you wanted out of her, especially early on, that they could have established better or sooner, or entirely new and different? With her personality, I would have liked to have seen her get angry a bit more. I would have liked because we see her frustrated a lot. We see her annoyed uh-huh. a lot. And I would have liked to have seen her, like, in the episode The Child, which we're not going to get into right now. But the one thing that I thoroughly enjoyed was how, again, please, let's not make this into a big thing. But the one (laughs) thing that I thoroughly enjoyed was that, like, when she was sitting there and and the camera was just on her and it was was tracking into her face and we heard all the men in Uh the room, you know, talk about what was going to happen with the pregnancy of what what needs to happen what you know like trying to dictate and everything like right. that what and should she, we do could, here when it's not their decision again like i said we're not <laughs> we're not going to go into a big thing but you can tell that she's not listening but she's kind of hearing it because of the way that they're affecting the audio and then as soon as there's a lull in the conversation and like someone addresses it to her she looks straight at the captain and she says i'm having this baby and that's the way it's going to be yeah and then it's finally like, boom yeah. threw it down on the table and then picard's like and that's the way it is. And then everybody left. And so right. kudos to Picard. But I liked, I chose that one example because it popped in my head. Because I like how Deanna was just like, boom, this is how it's going to be. And I wish we had more opportunities for her to throw down her knowledge, throw down her command and say, 
this is how it's going to be. This is what's going to happen. This is what I think. And it's hard because she is a, she's not in a command position. She's not in an engineering position. She's not in a, it's about the health of the crew, the mental health of the crew. So there's not many times that she gets to float that around. It's true, which is maybe why there was a problem with her character in the first place in terms of what do we do when we write a story about Troy? They always went to the well of the boyfriend of the week. Right. So that's another complaint I have is, okay, yeah, I get it. Especially as the daughter of Luxana Troy, that makes a lot of sense because Luxana has no problem openly flirting with just about anybody she fancies. I wish they wouldn't have gone to that well so freaking much because, again, I feel like it weakened the character. Like, is that all there is to you? No. It just paints her as a pretty face. Right. Or, you know, it's the fact, oh, she's a woman and therefore we're going to do a love story. Because isn't that all women want is they want to be romanced by the Fabio of the week. And I mean, one argument can be made that like where Riker was the one romancing, Troy was the one being romanced. Sure. And And that's true. It has that difference of appearance, even if I feel like Troy had just as many partners as Riker did, even though like Riker gets the reputation. But it's because Riker's the one is being portrayed as actively going for it. And Troy is the one just kind of there, you know, (laughs) taking in the aliens that come in. But I think one one storyline that I'd really like to see with Troy and kind of like to kind of go off of what I was talking about, like make her a little bit more assertive from the get-go is I would love to see a situation where either like Riker or Picard or somebody like some senior member on the Enterprise is working the crew too hard Mm. or putting them through too many stressful situations. And Troy just comes in and throws it down and says like, listen, you cannot do this to the crew. Not all of us are machines. Not all of us are like data. You are going to start having mistakes. People are going to start having breakdowns. And because this is a storyline that goes towards her expertise. Yes. Much in the same way that Dr. Crusher as the ship's physician can say, you are off duty until further notice. I would have loved to have seen Troy be able to do the same thing where maybe she has to tell somebody, you are on mandatory shore leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, until like you haven't taken shore leave in four years. You have all this time built up. I demand that you take some time off right now. Even if it's a staycation, even if you're just hanging out in your quarters and drinking in 10 forward, I don't care. But you are off duty for a week. You have got to relax. And in all the other shows, in Enterprise and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, it's the chief medical officer that goes to them and say, you're working too hard. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to stress yourself out. You need to take a vacation. With Next Generation, this was the first time and pretty much the only time except for Esri where they had that resource. Right. Like they, they had that therapist resource to assert that and they never used it. Yes. Now, this might have been also a little too forward thinking for the show at the time that it was made, but it would have been really cool to see Troy and Dr. Crusher work in conjunction with one another if they were potentially concerned about somebody. Mm, Because Beverly's there to take care of their physical health. Deanne is there to take care of mental health. Those things are intertwined. Yes, very much. I love that idea. I love it. And we also saw them together all the time because they were friends. Yeah. For most of the show, they were the only women on the senior staff. And so they connected. (laughs) Yeah, it's something I would love to see them work together professionally more. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, because when something is seen as medical, it's just like, oh, we go to Beverly. We never really go to Troy. Like they dealt with 
Barkley's addiction, like hollow addiction. Yes. So there's that. I'm glad that we had that, but she was very much a side character in that. Yeah. And really, I mean, aside from that, I can't think of too many other instances where we're talking about the main crew seeing the counselor. It's usually some sort of guest of the week, some character we never see again. Yeah, we would see like informal sessions with like Riker and Ten Forward and Picard in his ready room. Sure. Um, like Data, you know, going and talking to her and everything like that. But actually, well, Data did go see her in her, her office a couple of times. You are right. Data did. But I think it's something that we could have seen a lot more of. I would have liked to have seen, like one criticism that TNG had was that these are perfect people. Like sure. from the get-go, like, and you've heard me defend that argument by saying, <laughs> yes, they're perfect people or near perfect people because they're the best that Starfleet has to offer on the best ship that Starfleet has to offer. But <laughs> it would be nice to see them with flaws, with mental flaws and fallibilities and stuff where they need to seek help. Like just imagine if a scenario like O'Brien had when he was locked in a virtual jail cell for 20 years and right. needed help and needed that medication and needed therapy. We never really saw that at the time. We just saw the aftermath because we didn't have a counselor on board. But just imagine if that kind of storyline happened on the Enterprise D, we could go to Troy. Absolutely. And it would have been really cool to have seen, hey, O'Brien is seeing Troy to help work through the trauma of that so he can cope a little more healthily, which would have been fantastic for Troy as well as the O'Brien character and portraying mental health because even so-called perfect people are going to mm -hmm. go through things that they can't necessarily deal with on their own. Your life can be going absolutely just swimmingly good, and I will still make an argument that you can get something out of therapy because everybody could benefit from it. If you have a really good therapist working with you, you can benefit from therapy at any time in your life. It should be just maintenance for your brain, honestly. It would be great to have mandatory counseling for all senior staff, to be honest. I think that would be interesting. And I think it, like you, you definitely can make that argument. And I feel like there's always that stigma towards therapy, especially in the late 80s and early 90s, where it was just for crazy people. It was just for quacks and, well, you know, sure. like it was unnecessary. Yeah, something's got to be profoundly wrong if you actually need therapy. Like you have to have had that trauma to even think about justifying going. These days, that stigma is not nearly as bad. It's still there. We're working on it, though. It would have been really forward thinking if they would have taken that step and said, hey, no, therapy is awesome. It is effective. It is useful for everybody. One thing that was a benefit for the show, but also a detriment for this character, was the introduction of Guinan, as played yeah. by Whoopi Goldberg, is that she became, she was the unofficial counselor when we already had a counselor. So we had in, yeah. so in one show... We had built-in redundancy when it came to advice and wisdom and counseling and therapy. And in other shows, we had almost none of it. And I feel like Deanna fell to the wayside because they wanted to give the bigger star, Whoopi Goldberg, more screen time. And that's the character trait that they gave her when it really yeah. should have been Deanna's scenes instead of Whoopi's. Didn't they occasionally on the show write scripts with lines for either Troy slash Guinan? If they could get Whoopi Goldberg to come film, the lines went to her. If not, it became a Troy line. I have never heard that before, but that does not surprise me in the least. I'm pretty sure I've heard that from somewhere. It's been, you know, years, but I think that happened. Now, one thing that I feel like we're doing is we're kind of rewriting the show and not really rewriting the character. <laughs> we're not nailing this, are we? 
<laughs> well, I think we're we're just going. I think we're discovering a different way of doing it because instead of rewriting the character, we're rewriting the show to better serve the character. I think what it's what's happening is that we're realizing that the character of Troy was fine, had a great backstory, great uh, emotionality, and great verve, but it, she was just mishandled by the writing staff, which is one major criticism. But to kind of get back to it, like one thing that we did talk about was making her a little bit more assertive from the get-go, letting her flex her command muscles a little bit more and earlier on within her field. One thing that I would love to see expanded upon and rewritten for the characters, like one thing that Laksana talked about was that she was adept, that Troy was adept at languages. That's something that we never explored in the show. And I would love to write that into her proficiencies right from the get-go. Like, oh, she's a therapist. She's a counselor. She has all of these psychology degrees. And also, she's really adept at language. We need to use Deanna in this field. Like somebody who's just like, well, we can't decipher this and the UT's not working. Who do we know who's great at languages? And like somebody like Riker would say like, oh, dude, Deanna is awesome. Like, have you seen her her record? <laughs> that would have been interesting. That's something that they just really threw off of the wayside. It would have been cool to have had even one episode, because I don't think the Universal Translator breaks that often. But one yeah, episode, right. one situation where that might have really helped out. That said, though, what about Darmok? Oh, have her instead of Picard on the planet. Uh, not, well, I mean, you might have to if you want to keep the framework of that story the same, because then you could at least have maybe Troy be a little more perceptive, but part of the great struggle of that story is coming to the understanding. So you ruin Darmok if you have somebody who's adept at languages figuring things right. out right away. Now, what if we had like a Darmok part two, where it popped up a couple seasons later, and Troy was the one leading the charge. What if she was starting to maybe create a little bit of a dictionary of sorts from that experience, figuring out how their language works and what does this mean? And so she's maybe talking with Will, just as they're doing like a walk and talk in the corridors. This is what this phrase means. This is the symbolism that it translates to and whatnot. So maybe they're meeting with this species again or something, and she's giving him tips to brush up and refine his diplomatic skills or something. Yeah, that would have been interesting to see because was it in this episode or was it in another episode? I can't remember where she's the one who is talking with Picard and she says like, it's a miracle that we can speak with any other species regardless of the UT because she held up um, a coffee mug and then made up a word and she pointed to it and made up a word. And she's like, do I mean cup? Do I mean mug? Do I mean coffee? Do I mean liquid? Do I mean brown? Do I mean hot? <laughs> you know, it could mean so many different things. Totally. And, Picard, and Picard, like that just blew Picard's mind. Like he never <laughs> thought of that before, you know? And obviously yeah. it was for the audience. But like well, already we saw her adept at that. Like let's explore that. Let's expound on that. That would have been really cool to see her point out perspectives like that more often. Mm-hmm. Because she clearly had it. And as somebody who is an empathizer and somebody who works in the field of psychology, she does have to think outside the box, maybe even play a little bit of devil's advocate from time to time to make people step out of their own box and consider the bigger picture, another perspective, what have you, whatever it is they're missing that they maybe need to handle whatever situation they're in. Absolutely. And like something like we can see her expound on how language can craft 
mental connections and you know like just in order to keep it in her wheelhouse now is there anything that you would want like because we keep bringing up stuff that like comes up later on in her development or things that were in her backstory that weren't expanded on is there anything brand spanking new that you would love to introduce to this character like we changed her looks from the beginning we brought her backstory into the game earlier we made her more assertive what would you love to see added on you know what might have been kind of fun is, besides exercising with Beverly and horrible leotards, what other sorts of hobbies does Troy have besides chocolate? Yeah, that's interesting because we never, everyone, almost everyone had a hobby, I think, except yeah. for, well, and I shouldn't say everybody had a hobby, but we did see uh, quite a few characters explore their hobbies. What did you have in mind? Nothing in particular, but it, I got to thinking, we know that Beverly loves to direct plays and put on productions. Mm-hmm. Data loves to do art. There were several musicians aboard the Enterprise. What is Troy's thing? She's got to have a passion about something. I feel like you're just stalling for time until I come up with something. <laughs> well, I don't have any bright ideas right now <laughs> at all. Well, I mean, like, we don't want to do anything that you just mentioned. We, I, th- I think we have enough music. Right. It's got to be her own thing. O'Brien has kayaking, you know, like we don't, we need, like I mean, a Picard has horseback riding. She does take Worf's karate class. I guess there is that. Eh, that's not enough because so many other people do it. I don't get much out of that. I don't know about you. This just popped in my head, but what if, what if she was a great swimmer? Mm. And she would love to do it recreationally, but then something happened when Waxana unearthed her memories of her first daughter and passed it on to Deanna. She somehow developed a fear of swimming, which is something that she loves to do because her sister drowned. So all of a sudden, she has her mother's fears of drowning and her kids drowning because they're impasse and they they Star Trek the Star Trek. That somehow was passed on to her. And so she had to overcome something in order to re-enjoy what she's enjoyed her entire life. Hmm. Timeline-wise, that would have to have been really, really late season seven. Okay. Because that's when they they did the Loxana and the dead daughter story. What I'm saying is is that like we see that hobby throughout the show. Oh, okay. And so so it's not just out of nowhere that happens so often in Star Trek, like yes. with Chakotay and his boxing. Right. Where we get one episode. We get one episode where all of a sudden Chakotay loves boxing and he has an issue while boxing, and then we never see it again, and we never saw it before. But we see that that Deanna is an excellent swimmer. She loves swimming. Whenever they go on vacation. You know, or leave, she goes swimming, she tries to get other people to do it, and then in season seven, boom, this happens, and people are like, oh, crap, no, she loves swimming, oh. So it's a mental health issue, as well as something that feeds off of her established hobby in history. Could be interesting. Be willing to go along with that. Yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. I'm glad you had an idea, because I'm I'm just shooting blanks today. Is there anything else, any other little tweaks as we wrap up, things that you would have loved to have seen with Troy, any other storylines? Because, you know, here's the thing is she's not one of the main players of the TNG cast. I get it. She's not one of the big three. She's not going to get as much attention as Picard or Data or Riker, but she could have gotten a little bit more. Okay? Just a little. Oh, yeah. I think as far as ranking goes, at least she did better than Beverly in terms of attention. And Another horribly neglected character. Very horribly neglected character. And... Thankfully, the writers did a much better job with portraying women or giving them time in Deep Space Nine than they did in Next Gen. Very much so. But honest, I think those are kind of the those are kind of the main things. I think we touched 
just to recap, change your looks, like give her a more commanding look right off the bat. Make her more assertive right off the bat, which we've seen. We just want to bring it out earlier. Right. Change up the empathy. Change up the empathy so she doesn't look so juvenile all the time. And overwhelmed. Bring out her love of languages earlier. Or at all. I shouldn't say even say earlier. <laughs> Give her the hobby of swimming. And then let her have more of a command role when it comes to mental health. Let her interject more when it comes to the safety of the crew. Yeah. Have some authority. We saw some of that, you know, like when she was doing the annual reviews with Riker. Yeah. And so she's kind of like an HR person. Let's see that more. Oh, no, that could be interesting. And it strikes me that Troy would really hate paperwork. And so maybe Will's got to just, ki- you know, she's going through it, kicking and screaming the whole way with him. <laughs> He's really got to push her through it, maybe. That'd be kind of fun, just knowing how much she hates that aspect of her job. But it's a necessary component. And I know that like being an HR rep is not the most exciting thing in sci-fi, but I feel like there are ways that we could introduce it where we give her more visible responsibility with the crew. Aside from the whole Picard leaning over to, to Deanna and says like, how's the crew doing? And she's like, well, you know, everybody's stressed, but they're here to do their jobs. That's it. Let's do more than that. Yeah, a lot more interpersonal, deeper connection, just more involvement overall. But then I feel like a lot of the things that we have done here, the show is sort of a victim of its time in terms of mental health. Mm -hmm. People just really did really know what they know now about the field of psychology, mental health, therapy. The awareness was not there. One thing that I would love to do down the road is have one of our what-if scenarios, like our our show replacements, where Uh we would send Troy to Deep Space Nine. Hmm. And I would love to see what that would have been like. Because if any crew needed a mental health professional, it was Deep Space Nine. And they got one way too late and someone who was way underexperienced. Yeah. And I also feel like they underutilized Esri as a counselor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, for one, did not like Esri in the least. I saw no redeeming value. I know that there are people out there who do like her, and I'm not trying to shut that down. Just me personally. It would have been interesting to see a much more seasoned counselor you know, from the get-go and see how that would have developed. It's always difficult when they have that character come on at the very end. It's just, it's too little too late, no matter how well you try to make it go off. And I think they really did try. It's just, there's not enough time. Just not enough time. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, that was our show. Uh, Please uh, contact us and let us know what you thought of the episode or what you thought of our changes to Troy or our expansion of Troy or the changing of the writing. And what would you do? And what would you do? What you can do is go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, and it'll send us an email right away. And what you can also do is find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And next week, please tune in, please download and subscribe, write us a review, because you know we're gonna punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.